Welcome on in Cougar Tracks podcast powered by kslsports.com. I'm your BYU insider, Mitch Harper. Welcome on in to the breaking news edition of Cougar Tracks as BYU football has made some staff changes on its football coaching staff. We'll unpack all of that here in today's show. You can follow me on X at Mitch underscore Harper, Instagram as well at that handle. Follow KSL Sports at KSL Sports, X, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, threads, everywhere in between. Give a follow and, hey, download the KSL Sports app as well. You can get all my bylines and this podcast on that app. So, again, the breaking news, offensive line coach Daryl Funk, gone for BYU. Tight ends coach Steve Clark, gone for the Cougars. I'll unpack all of that and where BYU goes next with these changes. The first thing I want to say, Daryl Funk has been kind of known for a while that he was going to be out the door. It was just kind of a formality today on Monday that it was officially going to be done. It, it just, the indirect messages to, I think, even from Kalani Satake saying the offensive line whiffed, Keaton Slovis, we want to think about his safety and protecting him. This offensive line did not live up to anything of the hype that they had coming into the season. Like, I bought in. I was drinking the Kool-Aid, man. I thought, this is going to be a great offensive line. Look, we saw issues with the O-line in 2022. I always point to that Oregon game. But that was a barometer check where you realize, eh, this isn't working out so well. And what we learned, too, it reminds me a little bit of post-Jeff Grimes' The first stint. Remember, Jeff Grimes coached at BYU with Gary Crowen and the early years of Bronco Mendenhall. After he left, I believe he left for Virginia Tech, or no, it was Colorado, if, if memory serves me right, the first stint. There was a massive drop-off. It, there was a little bit of success in the residual years after Grimey left, but then it fell off a cliff, and you were seeing 260-pound linemen at center, and you barely had any depth, and just the old line was a mess, and BYU went to a go-fast, go-hard look to kind of negate the issues up front on the offensive line. Kalani stepped in, wanted to make the offensive line a big focus for BYU football. They had Mike, they had MP, and then ultimately got Grimes to come in, and they had Ryan Pugh and Eric Mateos, but Grimes was the brainchild of the old line play, and it produced NFL linemen. He walked in, saw Brady Christensen, said, I don't care you're a two-star. That's an NFL lineman. You're my left tackle. When no one, no one was seeing that outside the program or even, I think, inside the walls. There was a feeling like, is Brady Christensen going to come back from a mission and have a scholarship waiting for him? He also saw that in Blake Freeland, too, who's just always a freak athlete coming out of Harriman. But I digress. Grimes left in 2021, and... That first year, there was some success. MP was there at center, and Connor Pay stepped in as a reserve. Blake Freeland was still there. There, there was still some kind of you know residual a little bit. 2022, it started to fall off again. And then 2023, it bottomed out. This BYU offensive line had the talent to be one of the best offensive lines in the Big 12. Kingsley Suamata'ia, Connor Pay, Braden Kime, Caleb Etienne, none of these guys progressed. They didn't get better this year. They all regressed. And look, I'm not going to sit here and say I know all the minutia, the you know inside baseball type of talk with how they're trying to operate as an offensive line. But all of us watch the games, and outside of maybe the last two weeks of the season, 
That O-line was getting blown up at the line of scrimmage, or as Kalani noted at West Virginia, they were whiffing. And you can't have that against P5 teams. You could have that against, you know, Utah Tech. You could have that against New Mexico State, the low-end group of fives that BYU played a lot in independence, but in the Big 12, it exposed BYU. The tight end position, Steve Clark, he's gone too. That position regressed immensely this year. Isaac Rex, I know how the ending closed out. I mean, that was a tough way to end for Isaac, and I my, I feel for him, man. I mean, that, that was a tough way to end it. But we also got to realize, you know, Isaac Rex came back from a devastating injury, and I think he exceeded what I thought he was capable of this year because I thought the injury was always going to kind of hamper him a bit. And I don't know if he ever regained that form he had in 2020. I don't know. You know, we've had weekly conversations with him, and it, it just feels like there's a little bit of a, a difference there. I, I just, just my opinion. But he still was productive in stretches. But it, it was a long gap between, like, the early part of the season and then where he got a little bit of an uptick of success down the stretch. The tie, But after Isaac Rex is where it got really notable, and I think what hurt Steve Clark, there were no viable options after Isaac Rex in the passing game. There was no growth from Ethan Erickson. In fact, he regressed. You know, spring ball, you go back to last March, it was clear as day. The number two job was there for the taking for Ethan Erickson. He didn't take it. Jackson Bowers never sniffed the field. Was that by design? I don't think so. I don't think he was... He showed flashes in fall camp, and he, he's going to be a good player. I'm, I'm very confident in that. I think Jackson's going to be a real good one. But his potential was never once realized in this season to the point where they said, we can have two tight ends, or he can be the primary backup to Isaac Rex. It was Isaac Rex or bust. And the other guys that played, Mataava, Taase, Ray Paulo, it was basically when they come in, it's going to be a run play. It's going to be a run-heavy set. And these defenses knew what was coming. It almost, when you brought out certain personnel, you knew what was coming. You could predict it. There was so much regression at the tight end position. And to the heart and soul of BYU offenses, especially under Kalani Satake, you have to have elite offensive line and tight end play. Elite. Look, BYU's identity rests at quarterback. And I think anyone in college football, you have to have very good quarterback play to win in the Power Five. I'm not debating that. But the heart and soul of that offense, even over the decades is that offensive line and tight end. And there's no reason for BYU to ever have the levels of step back that they experienced in 2023 at those positions. And the reason for that is because those positions historically have always recruited at a high level, including during the Kalani Satake era. Some of the best recruits have resided at tight end and offensive line. Kingsley Suamatea was a five-star transfer. Now, he... He was out in the last game and likely going to see him move on to the NFL. But those positions regressed so much. And they are at the core of the identity of what Kalani Satake offenses have to be in his program. They have to be. They have to be elite on the trenches. And if they're not... They're going to be a mediocre football team. BYU played one of the toughest schedules in college football this year. And when they get to five wins, you go, wow, that's pretty impressive still that they even got to that 
that level of wins. There's talent in this BYU program. Is it to the level of Oklahoma State? No, it's not. Is it to the level of even Iowa State? I would say they're close, but it's still a you know smidge underneath them. And I think there's more of a you know kind of a culture at Iowa State where Matt Campbell, I think, is just one of the best coaches in college football. I really believe that. I think Matt Campbell is one of the best. Offensive line and tight ends got to be better. It's got to be great every single year for BYU. There should never be a step back. It goes on the defensive side, too. Linebackers should always be great. Always should be great at BYU. There never should be a drop-off. There's certain positions. LDS people, they tend to play those certain spots. Offensive line, tight end, linebacker, and quarterback. Those four positions, regardless of what conference BYU is in, those positions should always be good for BYU. Always. And they weren't in 2023, not talking about linebacker on the offensive side. Those positions were not good. Kalani had to make the change. You know, it is a little bit surprising with Steve Clark because he's navigated a lot, and he's been part of the original staff with Kalani Satake, and he's a heck of a guy. But I just think the change needed to happen because the Big 12 creates urgency. You know, I could see a scenario where the BYU of old just says, you know, we're going to just change funk and keep everything as is. The Big 12 creates more urgency. And you might look at these changes and say, that's not enough. You got to have more. Maybe Aaron Roderick needs to go. As I said in Stillwater over the weekend, I don't see Kalani changing from Aaron Roderick. I, I just don't see that. I asked Aaron Roderick a couple weeks ago. He was saying that we're building something. We're going to navigate the fires. And I said, have you received assurances that you're back, basically? And he was like, I'm not going to address that right now. And, that, and I understand that. It was just kind of more of a situation where he, he sounded like he was talking long-term. And with amidst all the uncertainty with the offense, you thought, have you gotten assurances? I, I just feel like Kalani wants to give him one more year. And if it bottoms out next year after some retooling of the staff, well, then you have your answer and you got to change, and then maybe the seat gets really hot for Kalani. I mean, that's what's on the line here. One thing with Kalani, though, whenever he pulls a staff lever and makes a change, I feel like it upgrades. Ty Detmer to Jeff Grimes was an upgrade. I know that Ty Detmer is beloved. I love Who doesn't love Ty Detmer? He was incredible. As an OC, it was bad. Horrific bad. Jeff Grimes stepped in, and he has his warts. Believe me, as a play caller. That's why he got let go from Baylor, and we'll talk about that. But the offense upgraded. They leaned into Zach Wilson. They got better, and ultimately it led to 2020, and to a lesser degree, 2021. Defense. They finally move on from Elisa Tuiaki. They got Jay Hill. I think they got better this year. Look, it, it still was not a great product. They, they ended up total defense 107. But I think anyone watching every single game of BYU this year, the feel of the defense in certain games, you felt like, okay, there's actually actual plays. There's playmakers emerging from this defense. There's potential here. They showed you signs. They showed you glimpses. It was an upgrade. And honestly, in retrospect, I kind of look back and think, did Kalani wait too long with Tuiaki? I think he did, but at the same time, the timing, I think, worked out to get Jay Hill. I think Jay Hill's a heck of a coach. He will get it right, and I think you maintain the current defensive staff, 
as is. You, you, you give them those assurances like, hey, get some more of your personnel in. Make it work. But you got to level up in year two. There's no more of this like year five years, wait and see. Like, no. This is the Big 12. This is Power 5 football. You're now in a 12-team playoff era. Okay? So th- the stakes grow because there is a clear path now to playing for a national championship. And I know that sounds crazy coming after a 5-7 and seven season, but that has to be the goal. That has to be the thought. Of the way you operate, the way you do things, is you're pursuing and you're chasing to get in that 12-team playoff at all costs. BYU basketball, people talked you know, so down on, on BYU hoops saying, Mark Pope, what's he doing? He's terrible. He's got to get fired. Is he going to make a, an announcement that he's stepping away? Like, no. He's operating a space where he looks at BYU basketball as he wants to take it to the highest level and get them to a Final Four. Now they're off to a 6-0 start. They had roster retention, and it's working out well. Kalani's the perfect coach for BYU. But all these moves have to be with a mindset beyond the culture in an effort to compete at the highest level in the Big 12 and to chase the 12-team playoff. Because I think for the really the first time ever, ever at BYU, you can entertain the idea of national championships. And I know BYU won a national championship in 1984. Look, I, I know this conversation sounds ludicrous, but that's the line of reasoning and the thought. You're in a Power 5 league that says, if you win this league, you will be in the playoff. Okay? And it's, to win this league will be a gauntlet. But also, I think it's a good enough league to where you can get a second team in. Making moves to build to that moment and seizing the day. That has to be the goal. That has to be the mindset. And if these changes, and you hit it out of the park with these hires whatever direction you go, that's got to be the goal. And to turn BYU into something far greater than they've ever been. And I think BYU should always be great at offensive line and tight end. I don't think that's unreasonable to ask. I don't think BYU fans asking for that level of productivity from those positions is unreasonable. There's a high standard. BYU along the offensive line should be great. They should be great. Some of the personnel that they had this year, and to think the level in which BYU's offense performed is just disturbing. To have less than 400 yards per game, not in every game, not once did they hit the 400 total yards. Not once. The ground attack was just non-existent. It, it's just shocking, really. And the tight end group, outside of Isaac Rex, there was no real threat in the passing game, and you could even question... Their, their level of ability on, on the blocking side, too. So they got to make a change, and they are making a change as Daryl Funk, Steve Clark are gone. It's tough. I mean, it's you hate to make staff changes, you know, because these are people's livelihoods, and I hope that Steve Clark and Daryl Funk get opportunities in the coaching role. Like, Steve Clark's got offensive coordinator background, and you just you almost wonder in his career arc did he hold on too long sometimes as a position coach gone are the days of being Barry Lamb gone are the days of being Tom Ramage uh Ken Schmidt where you just you're there Tom Ramage for for 2 3 decades 
That's what it was at BYU in the heyday of Lavelle. I feel like those days are numbered in college football where you have to kind of move at the right time. Not to say that people don't want you, but it's just at some point it just, the voice, maybe it falls flat. I, I don't know. But you just, you almost have to always think of, of advancing to get that next spot. BYU is a great place, though, because you actually do get a little bit of balance. A little bit, not much. Like these coaches get a little bit of opportunity to spend more time with their families than other places, and they should. Sundays, they get that chance. They should be home by 7 p.m. Like, that's not unreasonable to ask. And I think there's some, you know, that's a good perk to be at BYU. And I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of coaches want to stay at BYU because they have that balance. Other schools, you're, you're burning the midnight oil and you're not going home and seeing your wife and kids for weeks, maybe months. <laughs> I mean, that's just what it is. And, and I don't agree with that. I, I just don't. But at the same time, these, these hires that BYU does make to replace these spots, they've got to be relentless. And they've got to have that drive to get this program in a place where they are contending for Big 12 titles and chasing the 12-team playoff. That should be the goal. And BYU fans that maybe disagree with that, then what's the objective of this program if you don't believe in that? If you don't think that's the goal, then what is BYU doing? <laughs> you know, we see some wild twists and turns in the Big 12. One year, you're 6-7. and seven, The next year, you're playing in the Big 12 title game. I mean, this league is nuts. It is just crazy. Anything can happen. And if you find the right coaches, you find the right personnel – it can change in a hurry. That's going to be the task for BYU. Going forward with this staff to fill these vacancies, I've said it before, these are the things I kind of want to see in an assistant coach hire. One, you either have have a couple of these things. One, a great resume of experience. Daryl Funk had that. But there was a little bit of concern too that he was not at an at a at a at a school the year before. You don't want to hire someone that was unemployed the year prior. You want someone that's a riser or a proven commodity that's still coaching. In my opinion, it's a t- that's a tall ask. I, I know, but you're Power Five now. Act like it. If you don't have that. But maybe you're a young guy, but you've got recruiting chops. I can get on board with that because then you can pair up an excellent recruiter that can go out on the road and can tap into his recruiting connections and pair him up with an analyst that can develop players day in, day out at the position. You got to remember that too. Like you can hire a full time assistant and their core thing is recruiting, but then pair them up with analysts that can help with the developmental side, the on-field, the practices, everything, the relationships, things like that, that go into beyond just, you know, everything else that an assistant has to do, that traveling and recruiting and all that sort of thing. So that's something to keep in mind, too. Jeff Grimes is on the market. He got let go at Baylor. I think it's interesting, the idea of him coming back, because... Say what you will about him, the play caller. And look, there's there's fair criticisms to give to him. It just it is. But him as an O-line coach, 
He is one of the best in the business. BYU did not have an NFL draft pick along the offensive line for 16 years, from 2005 until 2021. That was pretty much the gap between Grimes' stint one and Grimes' stint two. 16 years. Kingsley's going to get drafted this year. Not a Grimes guy, but... Did he live up to the potential that many thought he was coming into the season? He was a preseason All-Big 12 pick. I don't think he's going to be picked on the All-Big 12 team this year. I I don't. That's just kind of my opinion. I think he's an incredible talent. He might get better in the NFL, personally. I I think it's one of those deals, potentially. But Jeff Grimes, do you give him some unique LinkedIn job title where you say run game coordinator? and you kind of divvy it up like you did in 2019 where Aaron Roderick's running the passing game and everything with the quarterbacks, and then Jeff Grimes is running the ground, that could work. I also think, too, does BYU need to really kick the tires on getting a quarterback coach? They've got Aaron Roderick, and they've got Matt Mitchell, an analyst, to kind of lead up that position group. But do they need a full-time assistant just – Dedicated to that position. Jason Beck, kind of in limbo with Syracuse having a coaching staff change. I wonder about him. Jason Beck is a former BYU guy. He's LDS. I think he's a heck of a coach. I think he was one of the better coaches on Syracuse's staff. I would love a situation where you had Jason Beck. Now, how does that work if Aaron Roderick's still staying there? Do you go co-OC? Offensive line has to be addressed, though. And they got to get a a great offensive line coach. Do you bring him back, Ryan Pugh? Ryan Pugh was going to go to Baylor, but then that application got denied due to a a social media scandal, some photos that leaked of, of him. Would BYU be willing to hire him because of that? I don't know. I don't know how BYU would view that. But they got to have improved play along the offensive line. There's no question about it. There's got to be more resources placed there from a coaching perspective. You get analysts. You get assistant coaches. That's all got to happen. And, and I think, too, there's not enough being discussed about the support staff. There has to be more bodies, more coaches on that support staff and some high-level assistants. Al Papunu is on the staff as an assistant, as an analyst. You know, Matt Mitchell, who I mentioned. But there needs to be more. There always needs to be more. You you experienced the Big 12, and you got humbled. Clearly, there's not enough manpower to counter these Big 12 teams. You need more. And you need to hire additional pl- players or additional staff in those spots. Create new positions and hire more analysts. There just needs to be more. It's interesting with position coaches because you could go in a lot of different ways, too. You know, I I would I would be okay with just going outside the BYU ethos and just getting someone completely up and coming that's just having dominant offensive lines at the group of five. And he's a young guy, and maybe you only have him for two or three years, but he's a riser. He's not going to be set on just being at BYU. I'm okay with that direction. It's either got to be one or two things. I mean, just a young guy with a lot of energy. That's a riser in the profession, a great recruiter, 
or a guy that understands BYU and has an elite track record at producing great offensive linemen. Tight end, you can also factor in Jeff Grimes there, too, if you did bring him back. He could he could coach up the the tight ends and the offensive line, and then maybe you free up a, a spot for the quarterback coach. We'll see. I, I think there's a lot of interesting angles that BYU can go, but Kalani Sataki is always leveled up when he makes a staff change, and that's one thing that I think Cougar fans should feel good about going forward with these changes. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Cougar Tracks podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to subscribe to the show, leave a five-star rating and a review. I'll be on KSL News Radio tonight, Monday night, if you're listening to this on a Monday, 6 to 7, taking your phone calls. The question of the night, what changes do you want to see from BYU football heading into 2024? So we'll talk about coaching staff and a whole lot more and take your phone calls. You tell me what changes need to happen I'll take your calls along with Matt Biamonte on Cougar Nation, 6 to 7 on KSL News Radio. Again, catch you next time here on the Cougar Tracks podcast, and it's powered by KSL Sports.